need some motivation on your Chinese business endeavor, may be curious about what the Chinese business environment is all about, or want to laugh out loud listening to war stories on the ground in China, then this is your show, China Business Cast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another China Business Cast. We are number 45, and we have Mike here. Hey, Mike. Hey, hey. <laughs> I got to change that. I got to think of something different. You got to change it. You got to change it. You got to do some new stuff <laughs> with the hey. hey. <laughs> yeah. All right. Next time for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yesterday we recorded one of our shows and I just was on vacation. So I was recording then. Um, we had a brief, let's say, moment when the video was working right. So I showed Mike where I am. I was in short vacation with the family in Haifa, which is a city in the north part of Israel. There is a nice bay there. It's kind of industrial though, and also has one of the main ports in Israel. Anyway, it was a nice vacation. That was cool. And now uh, back full time on track. What about you, Mike? Yeah, I, I kind of need a vacation, honestly, but uh, <laughs> not. it kind of wasn't at Europe. We've, you know, People listening earlier, a couple months ago, I, I was in Europe, but yeah, you know. Not, you felt that was a vacation? Not really, but maybe traveling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, wa- I want to have a time where I don't have to do anything, but uh, one day, one day, I guess well, we love what we do. So we do cool stuff anyway. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just back, ready to rock, heading up to Shanghai uh, in a few days, going to come up really fast and be about a week there. So as we mentioned on earlier shows, there's a chat conference all about WeChat and micro messaging. It's going to be a really great conference I'm going to be presenting. So we also have our discount code. It's, uh, I guess there's, it's complicated, right? It's a long one, but we'll read it off the coupon code. Write that down. QMWDCWM1. Should I say that again, Shlomo? Yes, but say the link first. Okay, sure. And now we go to the link bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash chat conf, C-O-N-F. And I guess you guys will realize bit.ly is blocked in China. So if you're on Chinese internet, you'll need a VPN. But uh, it's, it's the best way we know how to give you that long URL. And then the, the code again for the discount is Q like Queen, M like Mary, W like Water, D like Donald, C like Cat, W like Water, M like Mary, the number one. So hope you guys enjoy that and it'll be great to see you. I'll have a small booth there too and uh, representing China Business Cast as well as a few other projects. So it'd be great Go meet Mike. if you guys can stop by. Yeah, meet me. I'd love to meet you guys. <laughs> that's September 1st and 2nd of this year, 2016. And then enough about the promo stuff. Shomoy, what's, what's up for today's show? So today we've got a really interesting show. This one I did a face-to-face recording by myself. That was my first time. You'll hear it at the beginning of the episode saying things about this, uh, but I handled it. This one is about memory. And the reason that we did that is because we got a lot of listeners which are um, learning Chinese. Uh, and that guy is a memory expert. His name is Anthony Mativier. And maybe because I was uh, very excited about it, I don't know, I had really embarrassing mistakes in the interview of my Chinese, totally blackout of my Chinese. Uh, but I survived and uh, you'll see my, uh, you'll see, the, <laughs> you'll see those embarrassing mistakes, but uh, oh well, but it was really, really interesting. And I learned a lot from, from Anthony. I've been following his work for the past uh, year or so, I, I'd say. 
so it was really exciting when he was here in Tel Aviv and go meet him in person and uh, speak with him. That was a really uh, nice day. And um, also uh, related to that episode, uh, there is a special mini course that Anthony has. And uh, we've got a special link for that as well. Uh, that is also Beatly. So again, turn on your VPN and go to bit.ly B-I-T dot L-Y slash memory CBC. CBC stands for China Business Cast. So that's again B-I-T dot L-Y slash memory CBC. You can go there, download that. Um, you'll get some basic memory techniques that can help you with uh, learning your Chinese and improving in that. Uh, and you're also going to hear about some of these techniques at the interview. Great. So go ahead and do that. Looking forward to that, guys. Definitely check it out. And uh, it's my, my turn here to recommend you guys give us a five-star review. If you're enjoying today's show, I know it's a little bit of work, but we, I think Shlomo and I spend a little bit of work to making these amazing shows. So if you could take a few minutes on iTunes, go into the show, and then there's a ratings and reviews tab. It's like the second tab. And then click write a review and, uh, you know, we're not forcing to do five star, but hopefully you're enjoying what we're sharing. And, uh, you know, we're told that the Apple gods, uh, give us higher rating, uh, ranking in the search so that more amazing people like you can find the show. So if you don't mind, we would really appreciate, uh, spending a few minutes to give us a review. Um, and we will read it off on the show. So. What do you think, Shlomo? I totally agree, obviously. And also want to add that every email that you send us, we read personally. We don't have any virtual assistant or somebody reading those. Uh, we get all of those. And um, really, we, we share. I mean, Mike gets those, then he sends to me, then we discuss, and uh, we get back to you guys. So send us emails, ask questions. We're really happy to get those. And also yep. makes us feel better. Definitely. All right. <laughs> so let's jump into the show. Yeah, sure. Okay, hello everybody and welcome to another China Business Cast. Today I'm actually interviewing in person Anthony Metivier and um, I'm going to say a few words about him in uh, just a few seconds. This is very exciting for me because we've done in-person interviewing about two months ago, which was great. And this is when I had Mike right here beside me, but not this time. So this one would be a little challenging for me. <laughs> <laughs> a new experience, but um, I've been chatting here with Anthony for quite a while now and very relaxing atmosphere, so I'm sure it would be fine. Okay, so Anthony um, has taught as a professor, is the creator of Acclaimed Magnetic Memory Method, and is the author behind the dozens of best-selling books on the topic of memory and language learning. And the reason we're speaking with him is because many of our listeners are either in China or going to China. And one of the hottest topics you speak with other foreigners is, how's your Chinese? <laughs> so I decided to uh, speak with Anthony about this and kind of uh, getting a few uh, tips and things he can tell us about memorizing languages and especially Chinese. Uh, let's go ahead. So Anthony, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll go on with the rest of the questions. Well, thank you for having me on your show and it's great to meet you in person. It's always nice to have people reach out and amazing that I happen to be in Tel Aviv at the same time you are so we can do this in person about myself. Well, I have a website called magneticmemorymethod.com and as you mentioned, there's a lot to do with language learning and memorizing particularly vocabulary I focus on and vocabulary connected to phrases so that you can develop I don't know if fluency quickly is the right way to 
put it, but you know, you spoke Chinese with me, and the amount that I recognize in what you said is staggering to me. You know, because I don't even get to spend nearly as much time studying Chinese as I would like, but because of the memory work that I put into it, it's uh, a lot was recognizable to me and. Chinese scared me for a long time because I thought, you know, there's so many things going on here, characters, tones. It's like a, the cognitive overwhelm is huge in the language anyway. But then when I add a mnemonic component, teaching people how to use memory techniques to that, that feels like cognitive overwhelm on top of cognitive overwhelm. And although I know how to do this in languages where the alphabet is basically Latinate or more or less recognizable, like the Greek or the Russian alphabet is similar enough that it's not like this huge big deal. Here we're talking about radicals, we're talking about characters that sound one way one time and another way another time depending on context and then even with the tones themselves the tones change depending on which tones they're next to in many cases and so forth so it's like how do you deal with all this and it's still very new to me but I found solutions and they're workable solutions and just to give a description and my Chinese is not that well developed but within a two and a half month period I went to China and I met the uh, father of the woman that I'm marrying and I asked his permission <laughs> thank you I asked his permission to, to essentially marry his daughter in Chinese and he knew what I was saying and that was all because I memorized what she told me to say <laughs> but uh, that helps. definitely definitely and that's uh, that's sort of the superpower that I have is being able to to rapidly absorb a lot of abstract information. And I didn't think it was going to work with Chinese, but in some ways it works even better. Although my tone accuracy is not that great, but I've just recently had a breakthrough that helps me memorize tones better, which I'm happy to uh, to speak to. So I want to take you to the maybe when you started with all the memory techniques and maybe tell us why you started with them. And how you started to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a dark and tragic story, or nearly tragic story, I should say. I was in graduate school, and I had a very bad depression that interfered with my ability to concentrate a lot to the point where I really thought I have to leave graduate school. And because depression was involved, I have to jump off a bridge, perhaps, or I need to figure out something else. And my solution for something else was that I would learn to become a street magician because I'd always been interested in magic. So I started to play around with magic tricks. So I needed to study a language in order to get my PhD. I needed to read approximately 250 books for my field exams. I needed to prepare a dissertation uh, and just research for that. So we're now getting into like the 500 book range of books and articles, let's say, to uh, it's not necessarily that they all had to be books, but a lot of stuff, right? And this is all just crushing down on me and I'm avoiding life by learning magic tricks and uh, and entertaining people because I'm, I'm pretty good and I'm a persuasive guy and I can get your eyes to look wherever and uh, make a, a lot of big moves and, and so forth. In any case, I got good at it and I was pretty confident about that, but it wasn't solving my problem with the concentration. But one day I came across the holy grail of magic tricks, at least for me, and that's the memorized deck. And I didn't believe it was possible, but by learning this system, you could memorize a deck of cards, randomly shuffled, and I just thought, there's no way, there's no way. And But I tried it, and lo and behold, about 15 minutes of after I'd studied this, 
I had memorized the deck. And today, like, it was a little bit sloppy and loose, and it wasn't 100% accuracy, but it was pretty close. And, uh, or actually, was it? I don't know. I See, this is the thing. I don't entirely, I, I have to tell you, like, some of the things that's so interesting about the work that I do is that I tell the story of the, the, what I'm telling you now so many times that I wonder to what extent it's even accurate because there's this is what memory is right is memory is i am repopulating images and events and words from events that happened not just from the way that i remember them but every time i recall this story it changes and that's the nature of memory and so sometimes i have these nightmares that someone's going to come to me and they're like yeah but you said on this one time and now you're saying this and there's the completely the opposite or whatever the case might be right and it's it's just I don't really have nightmares, but it's it's something I want to do a, a podcast about one time, which would be like how to never lie or something like this. I, I haven't really quite solved it, but I see that there's a real ethical issue here with being accurate about your memory, knowing that you never can. And that's part of the magic of why I'm so interested in this is because there is a way to be 100% accurate, but that's relative to the information. So memorizing a sequence of cards is uh, something that is either yes or no. You did memorize that or not. And that's the appeal of memory tournaments. Uh, and a, a phrase, right? It's either, uh, what was I learning yesterday? Xiang Dian Kai Men Le, right? Like I didn't put the work into memorizing the tones, but I either got that right or I didn't, right? And that's what I was memorizing yesterday. So there's a real beautiful ethics to that. You you memorized it or you didn't and the tools helped or they didn't, right? And uh, And you can test that, it's trackable. But in terms of the story you tell, you, you, every time you tell a story, you're actually changing the way that your brain remembers it. And arguably, you're changing the way your brain remembers a deck of cards too. But it, anyway, I, I hope I'm not deviating. But the, the, the point is, is that this solved my problem, getting into this world of memory, being able to use tools and then accurately remember a deck of cards. I instantly saw that I could apply this to the language I needed to study to qualify for a PhD. I could apply it to whatever I needed to present at these field examinations, which are brutal two and a half hour affairs, and then go to my dissertation and the dissertation defense, where I would need to actually even remember what it was that I wrote in my dissertation, which is more challenging than you would think. So it solved all that and it solved it like this. And so I just ran with it and I never turned back and I've used memory techniques ever since. That's really, really impressive. Great story. And I think I bumped into it. One of your blog posts. Could that be? I think I read it somewhere. Well, you don't remember? <laughs> this is the point. I told it. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So, so tell me, do all people memorize or learn the same way? I mean, there are visual learners, there are listening learners, and uh, there are readers. Is that all the same process? Yeah, it's a good question and an interesting one. And at some level, all people do learn exactly the same way. And it's as simple as there is a person, they are presented with information, they absorb it, or they don't, right? So that is the same to all of us. We all have more or less the same dendrites. We have the same synapses. We have the same brain regions. So we learn the same as other people. I think the core question is not so much, are you more visual? Are you more kinesthetic? Are you more whatever, tactile, uh, smell, taste, sound, all those things? Those questions are less, those are, those are strategy questions. I think the real question is, how have you been brought up 
in the world to the extent that you're able to associate your passion with what you're doing. And when that is in line, then no, we don't learn all the same. We're, we learn driven by passion. But when we are not in our, if we're not learning from passion, then we basically learn all the same, which is exposure to information without any way of getting that deeply rooted into our souls. And so then you could use all the memory techniques that in the world that you want. If you don't love that information, those memory techniques won't help you nearly as much as if you are passionate about what it is that you are studying. So I guess the same question applies for language learning. Is language learning is the same as memorizing other things or this is a completely different thing? It is the same on many, many levels. It's information. I, th- I teach this to people all the time. Never think that one piece of information is different than any other. Yes, at some level of reality, it is different. But at a base level, information is information. So people ask me, what do you do with dry information? Well, you just make it exciting and try to make it as exciting as information that is exciting to you anyway. And study, what is it about this that makes me so excited? Can I imagine that that is part of something I'm not excited about? Can I bring them together? Can I incorporate them somehow? What could I do just to stop thinking that this is unexciting? Trick yourself, basically, and use mnemonic tools. And that's what mnemonics are, is a way of creating wild and strange images, associating them to other pieces of information. What You're basically leaning what you don't know on what you already know and asking them to fuse together. And it's tremendously exciting. But, you know, for myself, I'm not really passionate about a lot of languages. And I've spent time in them just to see what I can do with these tools that I use and explore. But my passion for Japanese is, is not good enough to take me past a certain distance that I went. But my passion for Chinese is that I study it every day without pause at least a little bit, right? And I don't get my full 15 minutes in every day, but just with 15 minutes a day, driven by passion and interest and goals, and I have an interesting story behind it all, how I even started with Chinese, is just... Uh, It's because I want it, you know? And so the mnemonics help with any other language, but they help especially with Chinese because I want it so badly. Okay, so I guess now it's time to expose your cards (laughs) and um, kind of tell the listeners, tell our listeners, um, what are major memory techniques these days that can help people obviously we're speaking about chinese for help chinese to help learn chinese and maybe some examples if you can provide some okay so granted that my tone work is not uh, uh, epic yet here's here's just a simple example imagine i'll just tell you i have a doctor right and the doctor has an office and in front of the bathroom door in the office there's this uh, slingshot and the slingshot has a big red rubber band, right? And the band is shooting a gong at a bunch of sheep that are coming out of the doctor's office bathroom, right? And they're all dressed like businessmen. And beside that is a rotor from an engine. So rotor from an engine with this giant slingshot with a red rubber band and a gong and the sheep. Now, now this is where I get caught up because I haven't practiced the tones enough, but uh, that should be 414, which is Ben, Gong, Shu, 
Yeah, so it's not bad, right? And I remember what tones they are. Now, don't ask me to do that in a sentence because those tones might change and I don't know when they should change or not because I'm not that far into it, right? But, you know, woda, ben gong. See, now I think I did it wrong, but, you know, woda, ben gong, shu, hen hao. I don't know, whatever. But like the whole thing is, is that I know what those tones are supposed to be isolated because a part of that image tells me what they are, right? And that's what it is. So that red rubber band is the is the pan, and then the gong obviously is gong, and then the sheep. Now sheep and she are not that close together, but close enough. Yeah. She, and uh, so that's a. And then the rotor. The reason why that reminds me four one four is because I use something called the major method, and that allows you to associate sounds with numbers. So four is R, R in the major method and a T or a D sound is one in the uh, major method. So when you have 414, then you can make the word rotor, right? And so uh, to give you another example, tell me if this is right. Ni jun be haulama. So jun be is three and four, yeah? Yeah, so it's three and four. And the reason why I remember that is because it's a June bug that is kicking the sign for Lac Le June in Canada, which is a lake. It's like a, a sign that goes to a lake. And there's also a nightmare there, a horse. I call, I call him the nightmare, but he's like a, a black horse. And so mare, three in the major method is M, and four is R, as we just learned. And so mare is there, so therefore... June Bay must be three and four because the mayor is there. And so, I mean, I've got all kinds of examples where this, this mayor is there. Like Gong Dao is also three, four tone. Gong Dao is in feel like, uh, oh, maybe I'm getting that wrong. Oh no, sorry. Gan Dao. Gan Dao. Like, uh, whoa, Gan Dao. Gan Dong. I got to look at my notes. See, this is an interesting issue. Because my, my fiancé tells me that things are correct, uh -huh. and then I talk with other people, and then they say, no, that's not correct. Could be that this is a, a, a different province, and then they have different tones and different pronunciation for different characters. Though I'm not such an expert on the major differences, but that might be a reason. Well, anyway, there, I, I can uh, show you this notebook that I have. You can maybe make pictures, too, um, and uh, show you in my dictionary where I found the word. Shangdong. Shang, now, I'm, now I'm going to Shang. Dao is to think, right? No? Thinking is runway. That's one. I, I need to see the characters. Anyway, interesting issues. But uh, this is how I this is this is how I've memorized something. There there is a word that I memorized, which is gan dao, and it would be like yeah, wo gan dao le la. I feel tired. This is how I was how I was taught it. In any case, you know, like uh what was it, Lao Gong and Lao Poa? Like these are just images, and these in this case, they're images in in my bedroom. In that case, I just heard it orally, so I don't even know what the tones are, so I don't have a image there. But in the case of these words that we're not sure if they're actually words or not, like I have a horse there to tell me that it's third and fourth tone. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, it's, it's like so fascinating to me because... It all, and I'm glad that this conversation came out, came out the way that it did because it's one of the ultimate challenges that language learners struggle with is that you learn something and it happens to me in German all the time. Like uh, I was telling my roommate that I learned the word abgebaggered, right? 
and it's very clearly the word that I, I remember this with with great accuracy that it's apkebagger. He's like, I never heard of it, right? But it's it's just right. I showed him in the dictionary, and he's like. So you're looking to affirm what you've learned and then you don't have this immediate feedback and then you think maybe I didn't learn right and then you need to kind of rethink about this. Exactly. And so that's another issue that I have worked to try and help language learners solve because even when you, our conversation right now, I reacted a little bit like I was like, oh, I made a mistake and then I get nervous a little bit, right? And uh, you never want that and that's so discouraging for language learners. So I have like tools that I've developed that go along with memory tools to not let that discourage me. Right. And uh, and it's just one of those things with language learning. And it could be that I've actually totally misremembered something, which w- wouldn't surprise me either. But nonetheless, th- these are the powers is that of what I've said in Chinese, I think uh, there was some 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 nice accuracy. And the, it's because of the because of the images that I've used. The other thing is, is that there are also times where I rem- I can say things, but I don't remember what the images were that I used. But I still remember what it is that I want to say, right? Uh, which is wild. <laughs> Do you need to then kind of re-remember the images or you, you really don't need to? I mean, you have the word and that's it. No, like I, I, I wouldn't spend time in creating new images or re-remembering images. I just say, that's jackpot, that's gold. And now it has gone into long-term memory. So uh, it's, uh, it's just wonderful. And, and, you know, you don't need an image for every single word that you want to memorize, but uh, it certainly helps. And there are other ways of doing this. You don't need to use images all the time. Like one of the things that I'm experimenting with is doing like a, a half image session. So I can show you in my notebooks later that, and this is one of the reasons why I end up with words sometimes that may or may not exist is that I have experimented with Chinese in memorizing Pimsleur dialogues. So I don't know if people know the Pimsleur program, but apparently I can, I can memorize with really great accuracy certain things, but then I go and speak with a speaking partner and she'll tell me, no, that's not how anybody would ever say that. Or my fiance would say, no one ever says that. Right. But, uh, it's just part of the, part of the, the adventure. But in that case, what I found is really, really helpful is, uh, instead of using crazy images and memory palaces, uh, which incidentally we didn't mention, but the, the idea of placing that image of the rubber band with the, with the sheep and the gong uh, in front of my doctor's office is that I know where to look for that. Right. It's a, it's located in an actual space that I visited and that entire doctor's office has a number of Chinese vocabulary. In fact, further down, uh, in another part of his office is where June Bay is. Right. Okay. And, uh, so there's a physically, physically in your mind. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's the power of it because, okay. A lot of people use spaced repetition. They, the, and the spaced repetition softwares that are available now, they determine based on self-reporting how often you need to be exposed to that information. I don't like self-reporting. I'm never honest. The only time I'm honest is when I don't accurately recall the information, right? Uh, in a conversation like this, no, I mean, I'm, I'm honest, but with the machine, I'll be like, yeah, I got it this time. Cause it'll say, you know, did you get it or did you not? And you'll say, sometimes you're just like, yeah, yes, just to get rid of it. Right. Um, but, uh, uh, when I haven't remembered something, right? Like if I go b- back and we looked in my dictionary and stuff and I'm like, wait a second, God, Dow, where the heck did I get that out of? It's like, I, I can track it back. Then I have to go and I have to think and I have to encourage my mind to f- solve it. 
I have to figure out a solution. And that's learning. You asked, do people learn differently? Well, I guess that is, <laughs> that is a way people learn differently. Some people figure out a way to make it work and other people give up. So I'm not, I'm not really interested in the, in the giving up part, but I don't need to go back to, to recreate images if I've gotten the information. Is your system different for characters? How would that work then? Right. So correct me if I'm wrong, because I haven't reviewed this for a long time. But I believe that the character, the word for doctor, is daifu, and is it uh, first and second tone, like daifu? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. I, I, the reason why I'm curious if it's first and second tone is because how I remembered the characters. No, it's, not, it's not second. I think no. It's actually first, and I think it's daifu. I think it's first and and, uh, and four. Oh, so we're doing fifth here. So I don't have fifth in my in my thing because no one ever, none of the study materials ever tells me that there's a fifth. The fifth is the natural one, so no tone. Um, but I might be completely wrong here. So now, now it's me, the one who should be worried. And I lived in China, you know. <laughs> well, it's just an interesting discussion. But I believe that the character for Daifu is uh, is is like the character for Big, and then it's the same character but it has a second line, or it's vice versa. So like or or it's like a ren character and then it's got a one line and then it's got the ren character again or the radical and then it's got two lines right and the reason how i saw that is i saw Di vernon who is a canadian magician who uh, they call the professor and it's chuck norris on my doctor's office desk and they're fighting right and one has one headband and another has two headbands so that helped with that now that's super so, yeah, so I I did get it right, it, and that's where I'm thinking it's tone one and tone two. But I I I, I, I I'm, basically the the headbands are just reminding me how many lines to draw on the character. Um, I'm trying to think of another character that I've memorized. Dai is fourth, and then Fu is natural. Right. So that's fifth. See, now this is an interesting thing because I can't remember if I came up with an idea of memorizing the tones or not because I was just messing around and I stuck that there. It wasn't even intended to be in that journey because I was focusing on a lot of words that have a B sound. Anyway, but the point being is that that's a very simple example. And right now I haven't been working on characters for quite some time and and I can't really see in my mind the, the character for office. Uh, but if I worked on it, I could try and see ways to massage what that character looks like into the existing sound imagery. So I work a lot on sound and meaning, and I haven't put a whole lot of time into characters, but I, I'm not sure exactly what to do with characters. But one thing is, is that when I see that it's relatively simple, then I just see if I can massage it in, like the case with uh, Dai Fu. Okay. Um, thank you for thank you for, for that. Um, I think that we can uh, probably get a few... Uh, on the show notes, we can add a few stuff for for the stuff that you do. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, the courses that you that you do and how you started building those because the show is about China, but also about entrepreneurship, and this is where where this part goes. So you told me that you were a professor and you became, I guess, an online marketer or however you want to call it. And you started with courses. And I'm interested to know how that journey started and how you decided and why you decided to do that. Well, uh, it's, a, it's a long story of its own accord. But the brief strokes are that I had been a professor. I'd won a, I, st I taught film studies. 
And I'd won a major, major research grant from the Deutsche Forschung Gemeinschaft, which is basically translated as the German Research Society. And uh, uh, or at least that's how I would translate it. I've never seen the English translation. Anyway, so I had that and that came to an end and I decided I would go back to Canada. And one of the driving factors of going back to Canada is because I w had dental issues and I wound up losing a tooth in the front of my face. And that made it actually very difficult to get a job while I was there. And so I was just really near poverty, living I was near poverty. Maybe I'm exaggerating with that, but it certainly felt that way because I was running out of money from this research grant. And I was house sitting and it was just basically like a pretty empty place and sleeping on the floor. And at a certain point I got a mattress and so on and so forth. And I was banging on doors trying to find some kind of job. And a woman who runs a school, her name is Haiti Windy. It's a after school school. That's the best way I know how to describe it. She takes in Asian students actually primarily to come to get more training after they've gone to school already so that they are elite. That's what the school is called, English language intensive training elite. And she brought me on to write curriculum, but I couldn't teach at that time because I just looked terrible. Like my tooth was missing and it was a bad scene. And uh, anyway, one day a teacher wasn't available uh, and she said, you know, you got to get in there. And she gave me a hair elastic and pushed me through the door and said, you know, teach. And so I got through all their stuff that they were doing in about 15 minutes. And then I said, now what do you want to do? And they said, uh, well, you're the teacher. <laughs> you know, that's my job to, to tell them. And I said, hey, you want to learn how to say the alphabet backwards? And they said, sure. And so I taught them how to do that. Like four minutes later, everybody's saying the alphabet backwards. Then I just taught them a little bit about memorizing playing cards. At the end of the class, someone said, you have to write that down. You know, and, and uh, so I did. And that became the basis for my first book. And that book became, well, I, I, so I wrote down the card thing and then I wrote down the alphabet thing. And then I wrote down, I thought, I'll just teach them how that I memorized a whole bunch of German vocabulary and phrases so that I was able to learn German relatively quickly. And so that became the basis of my first book, which was how to learn and memorize the German vocabulary, which recently came out in the second edition. And it was, I just had heard about Kindle at that time and I put it up and I forgot about it and went on my struggle to basically get another university job or I was considering and even applied to go and get high school certification. Anyway, a friend of mine said, have you seen what's happening with your book on Amazon? And I was like, no. And I went and looked and it was number one in two categories and number three in a third category. And I went and looked in the portal where it shows the revenue that you get. And I just thought, if I can do that, I can do anything. And <laughs> so I just started to explore other languages. And I remember doing Spanish and then I did French and just went into these other languages and reproduced the model because, and it worked. And at that time too, I was totally miserable, but I got my tooth fixed. Let's put it that way. Yes. <laughs> well, it was just incredible. It's incredible what happens. Like they were calling uh, anyway. Uh, and then and at that time, a band that I used to play with in Germany, they asked me, I got an email one day and they said, uh, I opened the email and it said, when are you coming back to take your throne? And I said, say more, you know, and basically they asked me to go on tour with them and I needed to fund that. And healthcare is health insurance in Germany is insane and it was going to cost a lot. So I just figured it out and I made it happen. And then when I was in Germany, I heard about Udemy and I thought 
I can make video courses of these books. So I did. And it, my, uh, my course, how to learn and memorize the vocabulary of any language was a huge hit and it remained a hit for a long time. And it still is ticking along on that platform. But I also saw the need and I was just studying business intensively. And one of the number one things that you come across as a information entrepreneur or information publisher is just that you cannot have, you can't rely on other people's real estate. You can't build your business on other people's real estate. So all the success I was having, I invested into my own platform, my own university of memory. And that has just been growing and growing and growing ever since. And uh, my goal there is to produce the highest quality memory training that I can for people and to do as much of it for free as I can, but more importantly, to inspire them to actually use these techniques. Because even if you get stuff wrong sometimes, there's nothing more empowering than actually being able to imagine images in your head. And I don't see these things. A lot of people think, oh, I'm not visual. I can't see in my mind and all this sort of stuff. That's not, that's not what it is here. Like this Gan Dao thing, whether, whether or not uh, that's an accurate thing for feel is, uh, or sound for the idea of feeling uh, in Chinese, I can just think of Gandalf from uh, Lord of the Rings and he's got the Tao Te Ching and there's a horse there who is doing something that involves feeling and uh And that helps me recall those sounds and the idea uh, and the concept. And I just think about it and it helps me reconstruct that. And then I can, uh, I can say something like what I believe is what my girlfriend told me. I'll ask her later and you can, we can talk about it later as well. But I feel tired. Mm -hmm. Right. Is that correct? I don't know. Something like this. But, uh, uh, that's so incredibly amazing. And, and I want people to be able to do that. And I want to inspire them to do it because memory techniques are extraordinarily complex. If you don't get started, it seems so overwhelming. Oh, I got to make a memory palace. Oh, I have to create these images. Oh, and now you're telling me I don't actually have to see the images that I create, you know? And it's like, it's, Yeah, it's like asking people to build a rocket engine, you know? And so I don't know the answer to how to get the most amount of people in the world to do it, but that is my quest. And I've not stopped since I started, and it's clearly working because I have thousands upon thousands of emails from people of varying levels of response from complete bewilderment and puzzlement to I just memorized a thousand words in ancient Ethiopic in the last six weeks. And that's a guy named Eldon Clem, who I got to always give a shout out. He lives here in Israel, actually in uh, in Jerusalem. We still haven't met, had a chance to meet, even though I've been here three times in the last 13 months. But uh, nonetheless, he's just one of many, many examples. And so some people can do 100 words in five days, 200 words in 10 days, or like he has. And I'm sure there's people who have done more that I haven't even heard from. Because, you know, as an entrepreneur or if you are a writer – I think as a general rule of thumb, you can assume that the people who are getting the best results that you can bring them probably don't have time to be in touch with you, to thank you. They, 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 they could be well-meaning and, and so forth, but they're just getting that result. And so I, I think that there's probably things going on out there that I haven't even heard of yet and may never, but it's just, I feel the force of it. And 
you know, I was on the call with Tony Buzan the other night. And when Tony Buzan says to me, you have to come and be at the World Memory Championships, you know, not to compete, not to be a judge, but just to be there. You know, that, that means something. And that means that I've done something. And, uh, and uh, it's, just, it's just incredible. It's incredible what's happening. Like, I just can't even imagine. I can't explain to you how excited I am that I even know Tony Buzan. Because I, I, when I was a kid, I saw his books, you know, in the, in the, in the library. And was just... Oh, yeah. In case you don't know who Tony Buzan is, he was... Uh, well, he is. He's still alive. But he's just a major, major author of books on memory and specifically uh, mind mapping and multiple uh, intelligences. And he co-created the world memory championships. He made I mind map software, which is just huge. And uh, he was like a creativity coach to Michael Jackson. And sometimes weird people react to that in the weirdest way. They're like, yeah, but look what happened to Michael Jackson. And it's like, they've, Hello. <laughs> yeah. Look what happened to Michael Jackson. Look what he did, you know? And so, uh, I don't know the extent to which, uh, how much the time that, uh, Tony worked with him, but nonetheless, like, and he, and he's a figure in one of the best selling books of all time about memory techniques, which is called Moonwalking with Einstein. And Joshua Four wrote quite a fair bit about Buzan in that book. And actually one thing that happened that just blows me away to this day is that, uh, in Moonwalking with Einstein, Four makes a big deal about pointing out that Buzan wears this pin on his lapel, which is a pin of some brain cells. And uh, when I met Tony, he took me aside. This was a kind of a private thing, but uh, it's uh, it's okay to mention publicly. He took me aside and he said, "Anthony, you're a warrior of the mind." And he took that pin off and he put it on my on my shirt collar. And uh, it's given to people for global contributions to world mental literacy. And so it's just like, this is the kind of stuff that happens to me. And it, and it's just amazing. And it's just because I get out there and share what I know about memory techniques. And there's just more. But that's like one landmark, huge thing that uh, still blows me away. Wow, Anthony, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Okay, we're getting towards the end of the interview. So just two more things. So many of our audience, obviously, as you know, are doing business in China. They need to learn Chinese or they at least want to learn Chinese or or at least, you know, get around. Uh, so they need to do that. So I need you to maybe tell them a little bit about different resources for memorization and stuff they can start with. And also what are the best ways to get in touch with you and learn more about what you do, you know, to start with the show. Well, I have a distinct advantage because I know memory techniques already. So what you would want to do is learn memory techniques. And what I use primarily is a memory palace. And that's really simple. Uh, you're going to have a link for coming over to get a free video course that I have that uh, people can just learn how to create a memory palace. And I guarantee you that if you just do that, you'll understand its power. The next step is that you need to understand how to create crazy images in your mind and animate them in whatever way that you want. So like I said, you don't have to see them. I've worked on being better able to see them, but that's not what's at issue. It's just understanding that you can take something that you already know. I already know Dai Vernon. I already know Chuck Norris. I know that Chuck Norris does Kung Fu. Dai Fu, right? And then I know that Kung Fu guys sometimes wear headbands. So now I can put a headband, one headband on one of them and... 
two headbands on the other guy. And now I can write that character. Now stroke order is another issue. Let's not go there because I haven't figured that out yet. But the point is, is that if you can bring these two skills together, the, the idea of placing images on locations that you're familiar with and do it strategically, because we haven't talked about the strategy here, but creating a memory palace is something that if you learn how to do it well, one memory palace will serve you for life. You can use it again and again and again. And, uh, and there is a way to do it well. So don't go on the internet looking for how to build a memory palace. It will do that. But definitely come and learn it from me because most of them tell you things that are counterproductive, like start at your door and walk inside your house. That'll work, but not nearly as well as the solutions I provide, which uh, are different. And they're free on my site if you go to uh, the link that you'll be provided. And once you have those things together, then you need to understand the nature of repetition. So I don't like to sit there with index cards again and again and again. I like to look at a word once and then I like to memorize it. And then I like to do the repetition in my mind in such a way that I don't have to do that repetition again and again and again. I have to do it maybe five to the power of five or something like that in a week. So the first day I'll revisit that station in a memory palace five to six times. I'll go back the next day and add a phrase. So, uh, you know, like whatever that phrase might be, I, I haven't recalled it. Actually, a good example, but you helped me through it. So, ni jun bei haolama, right? Like when I first did that, I just uh, uh, just did jun bei, and then I went later the next day and added that phrase. Now I'm embedded. Now it's it's not just about seeing the jun bug with the lachla jun poster and the horse and all that stuff. Now it's in a phrase, and then I revisit that by the end of the week. You know, I, I I more or less have it. And I didn't quite have it when I gave that example. I just had part of it because I hadn't revisited it for so long. But nonetheless, you reminded me, now I have it again and I can see it again. And, and that's what happens. And so you just want to keep that up and you want to find excuses to actually use those phrases. But once you understand all those things, then you can do crazy stuff. Like after two and a half months of studying Chinese, go and ask the permission to marry somebody in, in, in yeah. And it's just, it's just amazing. So those are the, the, the basics, but to, to, to make it even more solid for people, I think of language learning as having five pillars, essentially uh, the big five, I call them. And if you search Google with my name, you can find that video and it's on my site in different places, just the big five of language learning. And those are memorizing, reading, writing, speaking, and listening. And you can do all of that in 15 minutes a day. I don't spend more than 15 minutes a day on Chinese. I don't have, I don't really have time. I try to also spend 15 minutes a day on German, improving my German always because it's a lifelong adventure. I've been speaking German for eight years, but still I like to learn new words and puzzle my roommate like (laughs) with stuff that I come up with. But uh, it's just amazing. So you can do a lot with a very limited amount of time if you just bring together memory reading, writing, listening, and speaking on a daily basis and do it daily because that's what makes the difference. Anthony, thank you so much. It's awesome having you on the show. We'll put everything on the show notes so people can get the materials and the stuff that you've been mentioning. I think it's going to be the longest show notes we ever had. (laughs) But that's cool. That's cool. It's just going to be a long page, guys. Uh, So thank you again and um, cheers. Thank you so much for having me and to everyone. Have a really, really great experience in memory from this moment forward. Awesome. Thanks. Doing business in China is a complex world. You can quickly feel alone and lost in its maze. But don't worry. China Business Cast is here for you. Sign up for our newsletter and regular updates on our website at www.chinabusinesscast.com. Thanks for tuning in.